This is your wake up call. Charlemagne the God. The realest show on the planet. This is why I respect this show, because this is a voice of society. Changing the game. You guys are the, the coveted morning show, but y'all earn that. Impacting the culture. They wake up in the morning, and they, they want to hear that breakfast club. The world's most dangerous morning show. We in the mother... We in the... Started over, hey, John, before time. I'm started over. Oh my gosh. Oh, had the mute on my mic. Had the mute on my mic. Ooh. You do it all the time, E. Stop it. Good morning, USA. Yo, 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 Peace to the planet. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Hump day? <laughs> yes, it's Wednesday. It's hump day, middle of the week. That's Good right. morning, guys. Middle of, middle, middle of a quarantine work week. What week mm-hmm. is this? Have we been keeping count? We haven't been keeping count of what week this is, right? No, I have no clue what week this is. Definitely over 50 days, right? Or am I tripping? Yeah, it's been two months. Yeah. I, I, it's been two months. Yeah, the end of March, all of April. Now May 6th. Yeah, it's been a while, guys. Yeah, it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. It's been a while, guys. Yeah. It's definitely been a while. I I know you guys don't watch Homeland, but yesterday I finally seen the the season finale of Homeland. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm still surprised this is is the last season, and and there's no more. Like, there's more to do. There's more to watch. Like, Homeland is is a dope show. I know you guys are not into it, but goodness gracious, that was a great ending. Just tell us the ending. We don't watch. No, because there's some people out there like me that didn't see it when it first came out. So that you know, when did during it first this quarantine, um, I think a couple of weeks ago. I think a couple of weeks ago. I think they 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 had the season finale. But when I say great, you guys really should watch it. You guys are in the quarantine, so there's new shows you should pick up. And Homeland is one of them. How many Game episodes Thrones, are in the series? How many season, episodes are? Uh, this I mean, one, I believe seasons? there was twelve episodes, but usually oh, I think yeah. there's ten. Uh, and this is the eighth season. Eighth, eight season. Oh, that's too much. It's good know. though, man. This it's really, really good. No, it's it's good. It it, it I mean, it's oh, man. I, I, it's it's one of those shows you just gotta watch. Like Game of Thrones. This is one of them. Billions is another one of them. Ozark is one of them. Oh, billions like, it's is just, now. Billions is back, and Billions is my show. Billions is back. I didn't see Billions yet. I'm gonna start watching that soon too. But Homeland, my goodness, great, great, great. Tell great, me who great died show. at the end of Homeland last night. I can't tell you, man. Can't tell oh, you. You catch, up on, you catch up on 90 Day Fiance and I'll, I'll watch Homeland. I ain't watching 90 Day Fiance. That just doesn't pique my interest. <laughs> Nothing it's about so that sparked my interest. It's Eight seasons so of a good. show is a long time to try to catch up on. I ain't got that much time. If God but wanted I, me to see it, I'd have watched it. But I did and that with Game they have all these throwback pictures of Big Ed. You got to understand. Who the hell's Big Ed? The horse? A 90 Day Fiance. Mr. Mr. Ed. Ed. Oh, sorry. I don't know. All right. But uh, this morning, we have some uh, people joining us this morning. We have Michael Jordan's children, Jasmine Jordan, Jeffrey Jordan, and Marcus Jordan. So we'll kick it with them. Of course, The Last Dance is out right now, and that's their dad. So we have so many questions about their dad. Yeah, let's see, let's see if we can get some, uh, some, some insight into Michael Jordan uh, from his children. You know what right. I mean? Some insight mm-hmm. that he may not be sharing on, on The Last Dance. Who knows? Who knows what they've observed over the years? That's right. 
All right, and then we got front page news. What are we talking about, Yee? Well, we've been talking about this meat shortage. We'll tell you what fast food place is taking meat off the menu and who is trying to come to the rescue. And we'll give you updates on states and their reopening statuses. All right, we'll yeah, get into that next. because it's a meat shortage now. Well, you stop it. Okay. <sighs> I'm not messing with you this morning, man. <laughs> we got enough meat in this house, all right? We, we had meat for weeks, all right? All right, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting with, Yee? Yep, well, I had let's your, start with had the mic white... on mute. I'm talking. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with the White House. They are disbanding the coronavirus task force, even though we just told you that models are projecting a higher U.S. death toll. They're saying those numbers have doubled. And they expect by August 4th, 134,000 deaths, according to this model. Here is what Donald Trump says is the reason to disband the coronavirus task force. Well, because we can't keep our country closed for the next five years. You know, you could say there might be a recurrence and there, there might be. And, you know, most doctors or some doctors say that it, it will happen and it'll be a flame and we're going to put the flame out. But don't you want your advisors to keep looking at this closely the way well, you they have? are looking at it very months? closely. I'm viewing our great citizens of this country to a certain extent and to a large extent as warriors. And yes, will some people be affected? Yes. Will some people be affected badly? Yes. But we have to get our country open. Hey, man, once again, America's economy is an omelet, and we the people of the eggs. They're not afraid to break a few eggs uh, in order to make that, that omelet go, all right? And that's the reality of the situation. They don't care about people. They care about the money, as you can see. Absolutely. And, 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 and like, I keep hearing him say it, like Donald Trump said, some people will be affected, some people won't. I saw Governor Chris Christie say, you know, people are going to die. That's just the reality of the situation, but that doesn't mean we got to be reckless or careless. We just got to adjust to this new normal. You know, put your mm -hmm. mask on, wear your gloves, keep your hand sanitizer on, on, on you like your smartphone. Well, let's talk about who is dying. Black Americans, as you know, represent just 13.4% of the American population, but they account for more than half of coronavirus cases and almost 60% of deaths. So, as you know, we've been talking so much about the disparities with the healthcare system. Why are more African Americans in the United States affected than any other group of people? And as you know, this isn't something that, you know, just seeing how they are already trying to get rid of the task force for coronavirus and t encouraging people to go back out, it does affect us more than it affects anybody else. Yeah, and that's why we can't even have that conversation about how coronavirus is impacting the black community without talking about systemic racism. Like, black people don't have some genetic gene in them that makes them, you know, uh, more vulnerable to coronavirus. It's because of those underlying conditions that were caused by systemic racism, period. You know, uh, not, not having... Great healthcare, not having mm -hmm. access to good, the good food, living in those food deserts, like it's, like that's the conversation people need to be having. How how systemically we were put in these conditions, and how systemically something needs to be done to to help us get out. Period. In Georgia, the governor Brian Kemp, as you know, has begun to reopen Georgia, but Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta said she believes that he was testing the willingness to sacrifice lives for the sake of economic recovery. She said nothing has changed about COVID-19. This is still a highly contagious virus that is hitting our community extremely hard and especially communities of color. What it really feels like to me is that this is a testing of the waters and a willingness to sacrifice people. I'm not willing to sacrifice my mother, who was a senior, and certainly not my children, all of mm -hmm. whom are asthmatic. Yeah, man. When you hear the mayor in Las Vegas say she put her, she she asked if her city could be a control group. 
and was told no, that lets you know they're doing social experiments out here. That's that, that's part of a science experiment, and, and I guess I guess a city like Atlanta got picked to be part of that control group. That was obvious. All right now. It- in Texas, the governor is allowing certain business sectors to start reopening in the coming weeks. Starting May 8th, they will allow weddings, uh, cosmetology salons, barbershops, hair salons, nail salons, tanning salons to open. Gym and exercise facilities, non-essential ma- manufacturing plants, and businesses operating inside office buildings are allowed to reopen starting May 18th. Funerals, memorials, burials, and weddings are allowed to commence. Weddings held indoors other than at a church, congregation, or a house of worship must limit occupancy to 25%. Graduation ceremonies at every level of education are allowed subject to certain constraints in Texas. So the governor did consult with Fauci about the reopening plan and also Dr. Deborah Burks. Malls in Hawaii will reopen on Thursday, according to the governor there. That will be the first step in reopening businesses and getting people back to work. In Illinois, the governor has unveiled a five-phase plan to reopen, and what they're going to do is open things regionally. So there's going to be four regions, each of which can move through phases at different times. He also said the earliest a region can move to phase three is May 29th. So... There will be a five phases there in Illinois. And in North Carolina, businesses will open on Friday. Connecticut hopes to reopen summer schools in July, according to education officials. And Denver will begin reopening on Saturday. So those are just some updates for you. All right. Yeah, man, just don't, just, don't, just don't be careless. Just don't be reckless. You know what I'm saying? Just adjust to your new normal. The country is opening back up. Uh, put your gloves on if you choose to wear gloves. Definitely wear your mask. It's going to be social distancing at work. Homeschooling might be the wave. I mean, school's almost over for this year, but it might be the wave for, for, for next fall or maybe until they find a vaccine next year. But that, this is our new normal, people. Get used no to goodness. it. Yes. No more burgers at Wendy's. Just so you know, we talked about the meat shortage and Impossible Burger is trying to step in to save us from that meat shortage so you can have some veggie I'm not, burgers. I'm not mad at that, though. That, that, that might be a sign from God. Maybe he wants us to change our diets. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, this is one, this, maybe Mother Earth, once again, is, is, is healing itself and healing the life on the planet. Who knows? All I know is for all you carnivores, if you want to eat meat and don't know how to live off the land, you're in trouble. Okay, because growing up in Mount's Corner, my grandmother had a pig she eventually slaughtered, even though I don't eat pork. We used to chase chickens and learn how to pop, pop their necks to eat them, hunt deer, fish. That is and always will be normal to some people. Well, what you gonna do in New York? Huh? What you gonna do? In New York? What, what, what you gonna find in New York? Well, I'm, I, I, I still, I still got land down south as well, sir. Okay, mm. I can always get some fresh fish shipped up here. All okay. right, all right, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Again, the phone lines eight hundred five eight five one zero five one. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm call, calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The <laughs> Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Uh, my name is Adam. I'm calling from London. Hey, good morning. Peace, Adam. I saw I saw pictures of London yesterday on CNN. Y'all was boarded up looking like America. Yeah, it's empty, man. It's empty everywhere. But um, Uncle Charlotte. Yes, sir. You, my friend. Talk to me, King. Uh, I see, I see a few pictures on your Instagram of your your new beard, looking good, looking very my good. My new beard. <laughs> I'm trying to shoot a shot. Okay. <laughs> What's my like new beard? Oh, beard, 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 yeah, he's beard. To shoot a shot, oh, man. Oh, 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 you like his like beard? beard. What's that? Thank yeah, you, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm I'm the founder of a beard gang members. Beard gang in London. 
beard gang members. Check us wow. out. Beard gang members. Give, okay. give me some tips on the beard, man. I think I'm going to keep it, man. I, feel, I got the little, little connection. for it. He asking for a tip. I'm, I'm, I feel a connection. How should I groom it? Should I? What kind of oil should I put on it? Okay, so what we do, we specialize in hemp-based beard care products. I know you like your CBD, so this, this yes, sir. will suit you. Um, hemp-based beard care. Honestly, it's the best thing I've ever used. Um, I created it, and now it's, it's taking off, and people are loving it. So I would love to send you some, if that's if that's Please. Yeah, yeah, man. Get, get, yeah, uh, Dan, I'm, I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to have Dan... Uh, Give you the address. I'm gonna text him the address. I want him to send it to. Yeah, man. Check, check out our Instagram, Beard Gang Members. Um, our website is also www.beardgangmembers.com. All very simple. Um, All right, about you, bro. Oh, what about my beard? You, man. <laughs> well, he wants to know about her, must, her mustache. Yeah, you don't like you, my you beard. Know, you know, well, uh, Angela, you know what's crazy? A lot of uh, women actually buy it for their partners. And they will try it out, and a lot of women are leaving reviews saying they've used it on their roots and their edges, and it's uh, it's improving their edges a lot um, on their eyes Ooh. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah you should care about our beards too. I, and a lot of us can't help. get waxes right now. <laughs> I need help with my edges too, bro. And you know, oh my, my dad's been using it on the top of his head where he's been losing hair, and he said it's helped. Okay. I'm gonna try that too. Well, thank you for checking I'm, in, bro. I'm serious. If I'm willing to put monastat stuff on in my head, I damn sure put a little hemp beard grease. In there. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Shy. Hey, Shay, get off your chest. No, it's Shy. Uh oh, Shy. Shy. Hi, Shy. Hi, Shy. Hey, Shy. Good morning. I hope you're Be Shy. Yes, Shy. I'm here, Shy. Leave me alone. I'm from California. <laughs> <laughs> y'all opening back up in California. You going outside? Um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay my go. butt right at home. <laughs> but well, get it off your chest, mama. What's up? Yeah, stop being shy. Um, I just wanted to say I appreciate you guys. I listen to you guys all the time. Well, thank you, shy. Well, thank you so much. That was sweet. Yeah, and um, I actually wanted to say something. Um, I haven't seen uh, Steve the cameraman in a long time. We haven't um, seen him, have we? I don't know if he got furloughed or fired. You yeah. miss Steve? Oh, no. Nobody's in the office, so we, you know, we don't we don't see anybody from Revolt. Oh, okay, so Charlemagne, you were talking about um, the Brandy and Monica versus battle. Yes, yes ma'am. Brandy will win. You said Monica, but I think Brandy will win. But I wanted to tell Steve that I have love all over me for him. Wow. Okay, Could you please send him a DM? I don't know if he's, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if he's alive. I haven't even seen him on Instagram or You know nothing. what? Okay, I, I feel bad I, about this, about Steve. So Steve called me twice, right? But I was on my Instagram live doing an interview, and so I had to send him right to voicemail, and I forgot about it until you brought it up just now, Shy. Damn it, man. Wow. Let's call okay. Steve, check up on Steve. I feel bad. Yeah, I don't want to follow Steve because okay. it's probably so depressing. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, send, send him a All DM. Right. You got his Shai. DM? Give her, give her, the, give her the Instagram. No, Shy, send like, Okay. Just, send it okay. to me, Shy. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to call him later. Okay. Thank give you. Steve, give her Steve's Instagram, man. That'll make Steve's day to get a DM. Steven uh, Pictures. Yeah, Steven. There you go. Steven Pictures. All right. He still has us in his bio. It says The Breakfast Club, 105.1. Shut up. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club.
Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or blessed. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's going on, guys? RJ from ATL. Hey, good morning, brother. RJ from ATL. What's happening? Get it off your chest. Uh, I just want to be a little positive this morning. Uh, I got a quote here from Diana Ross. Uh, she said, instead of looking at the past, I put myself in here 20 years and try to look at what I need to do in order to get there and then. So, you know, um, I've been following you guys over the past, since this year started. Um, everything you guys are doing is very positive for the neighborhood. You know, I'm trying to get my own business going. So um, I was curious, Andy, if you were gonna do like some type of virtual seminar. Yeah, you know what, people have been asking, and, and I think we are. Um, we've been trying to have conversations, I know, uh, Flipping New Jersey, he does a, a a couple of conversations a week, but I think we are going to do a, a virtual one. So many people have been asking. They're stuck at home and would love to have the information. So I think we are going to do it in the next couple of weeks. Oh, for sure. I'm definitely interested in uh, doing that. So drop that link. I'll be ready for it, boss. All right, brother. Thank you. Hello, who's this? What's up? This, this is Rico from Detroit, man. Rico, what up, though? Get it off your chest, bro. Hey, man. First of all, y'all got to stop telling these people to wear gloves. You know, these gloves, people walk around with these gloves on. It's like having sex with a uh, condom on and then use it <laughs> with a hundred different people. Well, I said if you choose to. I said if you choose to wear gloves. No, they need to stop, period, because they don't know what they're doing. Well, I know. I, we had a doctor call in. I wouldn't say everybody doesn't know what they're doing, but, you know, some people know what they're doing when it comes to the gloves, and some people are very careful and cautious and change their gloves when they touch things, and some people I'm sure not, but don't say that. Everybody doesn't know what they're using with the gloves. I'm sure people know what they're doing. Okay, the, the, the majority of the people who use the gloves don't know what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. And also, y'all got to stop telling everybody, you know, you should use common sense. Like, um, everybody don't need to be in the house, you know, um, no sunlight. You need to go outside, you know, um, there's been proven that... Right. And uh, when we say in the house, bro, we don't mean we gonna sit in the house all day, every day, 24-7, 365. Of course we need to know, we know you need to get out there and get some sun, go walk in the yard or something. We know that. Come on, Yeah, bro. I've been saying that I go outside and go for walks and go to the park. Right, okay. But you just have to make sure you have your mask on. Okay, you know, that's another thing, the mask. The mask. Mm -hmm. If you don't have an N95, you're not doing nothing. You know, the, the mask... You just a negative Nancy. That is morning, not. Bro. That is not. That is not true, sir. The N95 is the best mask, but that is not true. That just because you don't have that you you don't have an N95, you're not doing nothing. That's not true. Okay, the virus is 0. 0.7 uh, micro micro. Um, oh boy. It's like. Oh um, my gosh. So. Where you getting this information from? Where are you getting this information from? <laughs> Listen, right now, just cover your face. You don't want to spread it and get it on anybody Bruh. else. Listen, the CDC, not Charlemagne envying ye. The CDC says that, you know, sick or healthy, you can wear a cloth face mask in places where it can be hard to stay six feet away from people like grocery stores. A cloth face mask can do, sir. Stop. Well, and then the head of the CDC, you know, you, you realize <laughs> oh, how you Oh, Lord, have a mark on this.
Oh, my goodness. Oh, I will say the thing. I just want to say one thing about the gloves, though, because in the juice bar, it is a way that you have to use the gloves. Like, you can't make a juice, then touch the money, and then go make another juice. You always have to, we always tell people you have to keep on changing your gloves like they do in the juice bar. You have to use them only when you're making the juices, and then when you do something else, you have to put on a fresh new pair, and it should be the same way. If you go into a store, you have gloves on. You can't go into your car and use those same gloves you had in the supermarket and then go home. And touch you your phone. You have to take them off, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, all you got to do is watch um, certain people that worked at certain restaurants or certain places over the years. You know, you, you'll see them wash their hands over and over, and they'll tell you, like, yeah. oh, you don't wear gloves because it's like, it's like you said, it's like wearing a condom and sleeping with different women with the same That's condom. the only, that's the only party I'd write, man. Get it off your chest, 800-585-1051. Now, we got rumors on the way? Yes, we are going to be talking about Tyra Banks. Tyra was trending yesterday, and some people are saying that America's next top model was problematic. We'll give oh, you the details God. on what this conversation was about online. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk America's next top model. It's about time. What's going on? Well, somehow yesterday Tyra Banks was trending, and that is because of old clips of an America's Next Top Model going viral on Twitter. Now, there's a couple of things that were a big deal, such as Psycho 6 contestant Daniel Evans. Tyra Banks was telling her she needed to get dental surgery to close the gap in her teeth. And this was back in 2006. Here's what that sounded like. So, Danielle, you went to the dentist, but you refused to have your gap closed. Do you really think you can have a CoverGirl contract with the gap in your mouth? Yeah, why not? This is all people see. It's easy to beautiful CoverGirl. It's not marketable. Yeah, just a little bit is okay, but I don't want to completely close it. Well, I guess she just left the gap wide open for another girl, baby. I agree. <sighs> so what? All right, also, there was another clip of her talking to Yaya, and the judges were telling Yaya that she was just acting too African and then getting defensive. You have this intensity to prove your sort of Africanness, and I think that sometimes it's overbearing. It's just too much. It's sort of a layer on top of a layer. In response to trying to prove myself as an African, that's just where I come from. It's very natural to me. And I did not choose that hat for the very specific reason that it's very cliche. The fabric that it's made from is very artificial, very cheap. I didn't have the time. I know I'm running on. There's a different way of explaining yourself and being defensive. And you're being very defensive. And it's not attractive. Now, in defensive Tyra, some people were saying, well, this is how tough it is in the modeling industry. And this was Tyra Banks just reflecting what the standards were in the business at the time that people had to follow to become successful in her career field. And she was trying to make sure that everybody was tough enough to be able to make it. Right. That was 20 years ago. Like, I don't like y'all. I hate people like y'all. How do y'all wake up one day and say, hey, we, we're going to go at Tyra Banks for something Tyra did and said publicly years ago? Do you lay you lay that on, out on the bed the night before and say, tomorrow we're going to kill Tyra? You had whole seasons of Top Model, reruns of Top Model, and you're just going to wake up on a random Taco Tuesday and start going to her. That's whack. Well, Nina Parker wrote on Twitter, 
and you know her as an e-news correspondent and nightly pop co-host. She said, I remember watching this as a young woman and I felt extremely discouraged to be on TV because of this scene. I was disappointed in Tyra then. She ended up pressuring this girl to get dental surgery to be marketable. Also, my gap in TV contracts say hi. So that's what she wrote on Twitter. I mean, I, I, mean I, I do understand. I do understand. But I, I think Tyra was saying back then in the industry, they looking for this type of person. And if you want to get in the industry right now, this is what it is. I don't think it's right. You shouldn't have to change any of your features for anybody. But I think that's what she was saying based off her experiences. Man, y'all do realize society was different back then, right? Culture it was, was different. totally different. We, we tolerated a whole lot more than people do now. Imagine if back in the day you used to do 70 on this highway, then years later the speed limit changes to 55 on the same highway. So like any responsible citizen, you start doing 55. Imagine if they start sending you speeding tickets in the mail because you were speeding back in the day. How stupid would that be? The speed limit was but 70. I, you was doing I, the speed limit. I also am, am not mad at people like Nina Parker and other people who weighed in on Twitter on how that did make them feel at that time. If that was their truth and reaction to a show that absolutely. a lot of people yes. watched. I don't think they were saying cancel, Tyra, but they were saying this is how I felt. It bothered them. When yeah. I saw that. If they so felt that way back in the day. If, if mm -hmm. they felt that way back in the day and they still feel that way now, I totally understand. But yeah, you fool well, who just wake up. Way, but she was saying at that time, this is what it made me feel like. And there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. That was just a reflection. Nothing at all. All right. I'm going to tell y'all something. Y'all going to get what y'all asked for because it's a lot of people in hip-hop culture who used to be a certain way 15, 20 years ago. Some of your favorite rappers now. You don't want them to be revising history. Imagine they come at Snoop now for stuff that he used to rap about. Right, I, on, I, for stuff I get it, about. but if people felt hurt back then and they bring it back up now, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the right. same conversation when people had dreads and I mean, people made them cut their dreads for, still. you know, to get a job. And now right, people, you can wear dreads. If people felt that way whack. because somebody said that, it's not whack these that people feel that these, way. These were things that people said publicly 20 years later, and you're going to try to punish them for it 20 years, 20 years in, in the future? Are they punishing? They're just stupid. You're writing out old speeding tickets. The speeding limit used to be 70 people. It's 55 now. But you can't say what, what people's feelings are stupid. Like, if I had a gap back then, maybe I watched that and I felt a certain way. And I'm like, damn, I feel like, you know, right. insecure you because I, I can't get a job. You know what I mean? Wait, I, I wait, get wait. why people would be All right, can I move on, guys? Wait till they hear you saying the F word on a mixtape. Commencement speeches on YouTube. Now, if you've been paying attention to everything that's going on, you know a lot of commencement exercises have been closed and canceled. But fortunately, Michelle Obama is, uh, Barack and Michelle Obama are doing YouTube's Dear Class of 2020 original special. It'll feature other celebrities as well, including K-pop sensations, BTS, Lady Gaga, Condoleezza Rice, um, Chloe and Halle, Kelly Rowland, Kerry Washington, Alicia Keys, so it should be pretty exciting for people who are graduating. I know it's a difficult time and we're trying to figure out how can we navigate through this, but a lot of people are participating. So if you want to see Dear Class of 2020, that will premiere Saturday, June 6th at uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. And Barack did confirm he's also participating in two more commencement exercises. May 16th, he'll take part in a special Show Me Your Walk HBCU edition. That ceremony's at 2 p.m. And later on that night, he'll be addressing high school seniors at 8 p.m. Okay, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, we got front page news. What are we talking about? Yes, we'll be giving you updates on what's going on around the United States as far as coronavirus, who's opening back up, and why can't you find meat at Wendy's anymore? All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hey, morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Let's get in Yo. some front page news.
Where are we starting, ye? Uh, well, let's... Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. All right, well, let's start with a Sheriff investigating a man who wore a KKK hood to the grocery store. This was in California. Some photos emerged <laughs> online of the man who is wearing this makeshift hood at a Vons grocery store. And now the sheriff's department is looking into the matter and will pursue any appropriate criminal charges. A woman photographed the incident. She was only identified as Melissa S. She told uh, the publication she was in disbelief at what she had seen. Well, listen, we have to understand that there's certain people in America who just aren't that bright. So this guy saw on the news that you can't go in the grocery store without <laughs> your mask. And he grabbed his goddamn mask. Okay. He had that's it on the all. back porch. He just he just, had his mask. He goodness, that's only one crazy. mask he knows. He grabbed his mask, guys. Come on. All right, now there is new genetic analysis that shows that coronavirus quickly spread around the world. This all started late last year. Uh, so for a lot of people I know, they feel like, oh, I was sick in December and January. So they are saying that uh, they took a look at uh, more than 7,600 patients from around the world. And it shows that this virus has been circulating since late last year and that it must have spread extremely quickly after that first infection. Now they say that... Uh, they don't know that this is getting more dangerous. As a matter of fact, I've been reading reports saying that they feel like it's weakening. So I know all the time things are changing. Who knows what they're going to say next week. But they're saying the virus reached the West long before it was officially reported. They also found genetic evidence that uh, su supports suspicion that the virus was infecting people in Europe, the U.S., and elsewhere even before the first official cases were reported in January and February. Yeah, I've, I've been reading those same studies. I think it was Stanford University. Uh, they did some antibody tests, and they realized that just a lot more people had it than they originally thought. So they feel like being that a lot more people had it, then it's less fatal than they originally thought. And it's still hard to see because even if you have had it, it depends on how it is in your system. Some people have had it and they don't have the antibodies, meaning they could catch it again. Uh, they don't know even with the antibodies, can you catch it? I, I know I did an antibody test, uh, me and my, my kids, and because I was sick during February, right when I came back from Super Bowl. I mean, I was sick, my kids had fever, and I don't, I don't have any of the antibodies. That doesn't mean I didn't have it, that just means it's not in my system. Yeah, I thought I had it too. And that's what's crazy, right? When you think back, if you were sick over the past three months, it could have been the flu. It could have just been a regular cold. But nope, you'll chalk it up to Corona. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about Georgia as they have started to reopen under orders from their governor, Brian Kemp. The mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, says that she is not willing to sacrifice her mother, who is a senior, and certainly not my children, all of whom are asthmatic. So her plan is not for these measures and eateries and places like that to be opening in Atlanta. Uh, she doesn't want that to happen. So, But it has been, right? In Texas, the governor is providing guidance for reopening businesses there. Greg Abbott is allowing certain business sectors to begin reopening in the coming weeks with some stipulations. Also, uh, cosmetology salons, barbershops, hair salons, nail salons, tanning salons, all of those are allowed to open beginning May 8th. Then after that, they'll allow gyms, exercise facilities, non-essential manufacturing plants and businesses operating in office buildings will be allowed to reopen starting May 18th with certain guidelines. Also, malls in Hawaii are reopening on Thursday. Small recreational businesses in Tennessee will reopen on Friday. In Illinois, the governor is unveiling a five-phase plan to reopen. Also, this will be by region. So they're saying they're breaking things down 
through phases at different times in four different regions. So Northeast Illinois, North Central Illinois, Central Illinois, and Southern Illinois are all different regions. A business in, in North Carolina will open on Friday. Phase one is a limited easing of restrictions there. Under that first phase, retail stores will be able to operate at 50% capacity with cleaning and social distancing. Parks and trails can reopen and the restaurants can continue takeout and delivery with no in-room dining. Hey, man. Well, I've been telling y'all this for the past week. America's economy is an omelet. We the people are the eggs. They're not afraid to break a few eggs to make their goddamn omelet, okay? So don't get scrambled out there in these streets, all right? That's the reality of the situation. The economy is opening back up, and that doesn't mean we have to be reckless or careless. We just got to adjust to this new normal that we all will be experiencing. It's a world where masks are a necessity, whether it's a KKK mask or an N95 mask. Hand sanitizer will be on you all the time like a smartphone and social right. distancing. That's going to be the new normal, baby, at work. Uh, I think homeschool is going to be the wave until they find a vaccine, though. But this is the new normal for a lot of us. Mm. All right, and a lot of Wendy's locations are taking burgers off the menu just because of the meat shortage that is hitting them pretty hard. Impossible Burgers, though, Impossible Foods is trying to step up because of this nationwide meat shortage, and they are trying to, they are going to start selling their patties and Kroger's in the supermarkets in the U.S., and they're trying to make sure that other people will have access to these vegan burgers. Okay. How do you feel about this meat shortage, Envy? Where are you going to get your meat from once the meat is all gone off um, the shelf? I actually stocked up on meat, so I'm pretty good over here with meat. What about yourself? Okay, okay, okay. What, what, what kind of meat you got over there? A little bit of everything. What, what you need? What you need some meat? You need me to, you need me to uh, bring some meat over? You're, su you're supposed to be social distancing, so I don't know why you got so much meat over there. They said it was gay, so what? Do, do you need me to bring you some meat? <laughs> do you need some meat over there? Whoa. Well, shout out to all the vegetarians <laughs> and vegans who this is not affecting, this meat shortage is not affecting us at all, so. <laughs> yes, I like plant-based penis. Okay. Whoa, I was that. You know what? I ain't what? messing with you. This guy go, you kinky, bro. You kinky. I was talking about hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff like that. Oh, why are you living with hot dogs, King? Huh? Or should I say queen? What is <laughs> going on, with... guys? You flirting. I can't mess. I, look, you kinky, man. You, kinky. you really miss me, man. You kinky. All right, that is front page news. Now, when we come back, we have Michael Jordan's kids joining us. That's right, Jasmine, Jeffrey, and Marcus. Of course, the last yes. dance is on ESPN every Sunday, so we're going to kick it with them about their dad. All right, so don't yeah, move. I, would, I, I, I can't wait to get some uh, much-needed insight on, on MJ from his children. They probably know some things we don't know. All right. Well, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests on the line with us today. Yes, indeed. We have uh, Jasmine, Jeffrey, and Marcus Jordan. Welcome, guys. Hello. What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? Michael Jordan's uh, children on the line right now. Welcome, guys. So, so how is it watching your dad and reliving this? Because, you know, in some, of this, in some of the footage, we actually see you guys. So how is it reliving some of the things that we've seen? Yeah, it's definitely been nostalgic, man. It's definitely been, uh, you know, great to reminisce and been texting these two back and forth, catching up on memories. And, and, uh, and uh, it's just been cool. It's cool watching it with the rest of the world. I haven't seen anything early. So um, seeing everybody's reaction and response has been real cool. Have y'all ever worn any other sneaker brand ever? Hell no. That's Hell no. Hell no. Nah. Skechers, look, the light up Skechers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, they, oh, they threw them in the garbage? Absolutely. My pops threw them. No. <laughs> you couldn't even wear the light up Skechers? No, when, when I tell you I was hurt, no, no. I was hurt. <laughs> how, how old were you? 
Oh, I was like six or seven. I was, was like, young. It was last year she tried to win a Miami Skate. <laughs> <laughs> How does the Last Dance documentary uh, make you feel about your father's legacy? I'd like I'd like to hear from all three of y'all on this. Yeah, for me, uh, I always feel like the foundation that he built can't be rivaled. You know, uh, just the way that he grew the game of basketball. Obviously, everything that he's done with his, with the Jordan brand and just changing sneaker culture as a whole. And so I feel like it's good for, you know, kids today who didn't really get a chance to watch him play. You know, now you get to hear some of the stories. Even people that got to watch him play, now you kind of pulling the curtain behind the scenes and, you know, getting into the weeds of what was really going on during that season. So I think it's, it's really good for people to see. Yeah, I'll piggyback yeah. off that. I'll say, you know, I think to Mark's point, it definitely elevated that, you know, experience, whether you were there or not. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a great benefit for the young kids and, and, and even for us, it's like, uh, you know, having an opportunity to see not only what he was going through, but what the team was going through, what his teammates were going through, what Phil had to kind of put together and manage on a day-to-day basis. So I think all the little details in the story uh, really just elevate the legacy. Yeah. I think for me, I was so young during the time, I barely remember it. So mm-hmm. I'm watching it like everybody else, like, damn, Dad, you did that. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. it's incredible and it's inspiring, honestly, to just kind of see it and take it all in with fresh eyes. And it's something that I look forward to sharing, like, obviously with my son as he grows and uh, nurtures and appreciates the game and then just seeing how the game is today and back then. Like, it's almost like a, our own history lesson. Um, so I definitely love it. It's definitely exciting to actually see it unfold. But it's way better than I even expected. Well, Can Jasmine, we first of all, I, I want to tell Jasmine Happy Mother's Day, too, by the way, since that's... Thank you. I know I it's, a weird, it. it's a weird time. And the three of you guys all seem very kind of private about your lives. And we see Michael Jordan on the documentary talking about just how being a celebrity sometimes can really suck, like not having your mm-hmm. own space. So was that a conscious decision for you guys to say, I don't want to have to be like out there, people, you know, harassing me about things? Yeah, I think uh, I think our parents really, you know, obviously they're private people. And I think one of the things that adds to my dad, you know, who he is and the legacy is that mystery behind him. You know, he's not easily accessible. Uh, you know, people always talk about if he was to grow up in the social media age, you know, what would it look like? And I think, honestly, he probably wouldn't even enjoy social media just because he was so, you know, laser focused on his craft and, and trying to be the best. So, you know, I think. Obviously, that rubbed off on us. My mom, you know, she didn't really let us spend the night out often when we were growing up. You know, we weren't, obviously, we weren't in Face Jam's actors, we weren't, <laughs> but we weren't in the movie. And so, you know, little things like that, she just really wanted to shelter us and protect us so that we could kind of have a somewhat normal uh, upbringing. Now, how was he as a dad as far as uh, being a competitor? Because we see on the film that he was like, as far as competing, man, if it came to, you know, chewing gum, he was going to try to blow more bubbles than anybody. Like, he was that much of a competitor. How was he that, as a father? That didn't change. Yeah, he's still, <laughs> no, still competitive. Yeah, he was still competitive. I think that was one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, one of the misconceptions were that he couldn't, you know, turn that off. And um, he definitely could turn that off and, and be, you know, dad, take us to school, uh, you know, making sure we got our, our work done and did everything we needed to do. But um, when it was on, it was on. It was, you know, it was I got, competition. I got a crazy story, actually. When we was little, we would uh, play football on our knees, like tackle football on our knees with my dad, right? And so there was this one time where we were playing in their room and they had these uh, round like end tables at the end of their bed. And so Jeff was going for a touchdown and I'll never forget it. My dad tackles Jeff into the glass table. Jeff hits his head <laughs> into the glass table. I thought he was dead. I mean, you can literally <laughs> yeah. dead. Oh. his skull 
Like me and Jasmine were terrified. We were crying. My mom comes in the room. She snapped on the floor. What are y'all doing? And so the def, I think you had to get what twenty five stitches. About, yeah, about thirty Damn. stitches to the head. Yeah. yeah. So that just you know that's the competitive, and it's obviously it was an accident. But you know, yeah, you don't know how to stop. First of all, you should have been playing goddamn football with Michael Jordan. <laughs> right? I don't know if that was your daddy or not. That was a waste of time. What was you playing football Facts. with? Okay. Facts. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> I, I saw on the Today Show where you said uh, your father used to go hard on y'all when y'all would play one-on-one. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, definitely. Even, even though y'all went on to play in college, did that ever discourage you from basketball? Like, man, I don't want to play this game. This is- uh, No, nah, I don't think so. I think it was, if anything, it... it, it, it you know, one, it lit more of a fire under us to, to want to get out there and play. Uh, you know, I walked on at University of Illinois, and I had scholarship offers before that. And, um, you know, I just wanted to play at the highest level. I think we all just wanted to do what we could possibly do uh, at the best level, highest level we could possibly do it at. So um, definitely didn't discourage us. You know, I think we, we, we kind of knew our boundaries, so to speak, when it came to us playing and really getting competitive and uh, the court was the was kind of the the peak of that, the crescendo for for uh, for where that would go down. So, uh, you know, yeah. we would train and we would talk about it. We would do all the off the court stuff, make sure we watch a lot of film and stuff like that. But um, everything we did, definitely for me and I know for Marcus as well, um, definitely lit that fire and kept that fuse going for the game. Now, Jasmine, for you, let me ask you this because you are about to get married soon, right? So yeah. Are you going to keep your last name or what are you going to do? You're going to hyphenate it because I know you don't want to. <laughs> It'll be hyphen. <laughs> so I'll go by Jordan Christmas. I'm still trying to get used to Christmas. Like Christmas. It's a, it's weird it's last, last name. <laughs> but no, it'll be that. It'll be Jordan Christmas and then we'll start, you know, marketing that because my I can't wait to see that on the back of the jersey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> crazy, but no. is it true that when you when you when you guys had friends come over, if your friends were were in Jordan, your dad would throw their sneakers away? hundred <laughs> percent. Still to this day, you know, yes. there's this funny story about Bow Wow. You know, I was good friends. We were good friends with Bow Wow when we were younger, and Bow was wearing irises and Converse. Why? Because he was doing like Mike we and all that Bow. stuff. Oh, he was one of the only people I knew as a kid with a two-way pager. You know, and I had nobody to text. So. But uh, but yeah, so he would come to the house wearing uh, irises or Converse or whatever, and then my dad would always make sure to throw them out. All right, we got more with the Jordan family. That's Michael Jordan's kids, Jasmine, Jordan, Jeffrey, Jordan, and Marcus. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Jordan's uh, kids, Michael Jordan's kids, Jasmine, Marcus, and Jeffrey. Charlamagne? Do people argue with you about who's the greatest MJ or LeBron? Do y'all, do y'all personally get into those arguments? Hell yeah. I think, <laughs> you know... One of the things that I, you know, I'm like a, a Twitter warrior. You know, I like to pick my fights on Twitter. And, you know, the hardest thing about watching this documentary early was holding on to them tweets when the when the doc went live. It's so hard. You know, it's so hard. But, uh, you know, now, yeah, I'm always engaging with people just because, you know, it's, you can't debate it because the eras are so different. The game mm-hmm. is so different now that I honestly feel like you can't you know, have a, a, a serious debate, but it's always going to happen. Yeah, Marcus, I see you on Twitter as it's airing right on ESPN. How many times do you have to delete a tweet you were about to send out? <laughs> so it's funny. My dad's uh, PR people are always monitoring my tweets, trying to make sure I don't get out of hand. So there's been some times where uh, 
you know, I tweeted about, I think, LeBron or something, and my dad texted me. He was like, hey, how you doing? He set me up. He was like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good, Dad. You know, everything's fine, whatever. He was like, hey, stay off Twitter, man. Stay off Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about Jeffrey and Jasmine? Do Jeffrey and nah. Jasmine get in those arguments with LeBron? No, nah, I, I let Marcus handle all that, man. I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> yeah, Marcus definitely handles our lightweight. But, I mean, you know me now. I'm a, I do support LeBron. I think he's an incredible athlete. But I'm more so having the conversations like, y'all can't forget Kobe. Like, come on now. Like, you can't just go straight from my pops to LeBron and just ignore that man. That I agree. Is my mama. So, you know, that, that's how I kind of weigh it in. I just make sure, like we've been saying, it's era on era, and you can't really compare the two, but we're biased. And at the end of the day, my dad's a goat. I, 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 say, I say it like this. Michael Jordan is a god, and LeBron is a king. And that's fine. 100% cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. LeBron is definitely the greatest right now. I definitely give him that. And then LeBron, I feel like I love what he's doing as far as being uh, politically active. So for you guys, you know, that was part of uh, what we learned about Michael Jordan because that's something people always question about him. Why wasn't he more involved when it comes to politics? So what was it like in that household and how do you guys feel about that? Uh, I would say it's, you know, it, it really wasn't spoken about or talked about openly with us. Um, I know for sure my, my parents were uh, definitely politically active, and and um, I think it was it lended to that privacy uh, that we had growing up. They really just uh, like to keep all those views private. But um, I think you know times change, you know, and and, and um, they've never been hesitant to to change with the times and make sure that um, their thoughts and and and, um, and and their values are are relevant to what's going on to today. So uh, you know whatever it was thirty. 20, 30 years ago, I think it, it, it's different today. And, uh, and and they learn from the culture and the youth and, and everything that, uh, that's that been going on just like just like we are on a day-to-day basis. The only, pro- the only problem I got with y'all is why y'all let your daddy walk around with them trash-ass jeans on all them years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, come on, Marcus. Come on, Marcus. Come on, now. Daddy hey, Jesus that's is crazy. Not me, man, that's not me. Hey, listen. Come on, Marcus. He's comfortable, man. You know, he, he had his heyday. He had his heyday of, you know, setting trends and, and being the swag guy. Now he's, you know, he's over he's in retirement. Yeah. <laughs> now, you guys retired. hear anything about the jeans? Did you ever say your dad come with them jeans and not it? Oh, all the time. What you I go- tried to hide hey. a couple pairs. Like, what you gonna on. do? Them look like jeans that fit them. them. Them jeans are custom made. You can't walk into the store and pick them off of those stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he literally wasn't done like that. So, so that, meme, that meme they got of Michael where he says, I, I walked into the tailor and I saw the biggest jeans I've ever seen in my life. And I said, wider. That's real? Those jeans are really tailored? <laughs> that quote ain't real, but those jeans that are custom made for him. <laughs> really? Even his Jordan apparel comes with a Jordan, Michael Jordan tag in it. They make it uh, out of it. Wow. Now, do, y'all work, do y'all only y'all work for Jordan brand? Do y'all all work for the, for the company? Or, or y'all decided, some of y'all say, nah, I ain't working for, for, the, nope. for the company? Uh, Marcus, Marcus does it. Yeah, Jeff and I'm I I'm independent. Do. I don't. I can't work in corporate, man. I need my. I need my own free structure. It's your dad. It's not corporate. Like, I don't want to, he got, the, he got the trophy room. It makes sense to me. No, Ask Jeff and Jazz if it's corporate or not. No corporate. No matter it's, what. Exactly. I was working for your dad then, guys. You know. It's more working for Nike. You know, it's corporate. You know, and 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 uh, you know, I think what it, what we'd like to see and what what the Jordan brand has done over the past thirty years has been incredible. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah they finally had launched a women's line too. So can we talk about finally? <laughs> yeah, Jazz been killing it. No, Jazz I've been, been trying to get them to do that for years, and and I mean we had the same almost like standard response. It's all about timing. It's about the right team, so on and so forth. And you know maybe a couple of years ago I was like, eh, whatever, just release it, release it. But now. Seeing where we are today, it makes sense. We have yeah. an incredible women's team now. We have a bunch of contributors and authenticators and athletes that we actually can have support us in an authentic and genuine way. So it was all about timing, and, and now is the perfect time. So yeah. I'm so excited. Let me ask you a question. Which one of y'all were the first ones uh, to show your father the Michael Jordan crying face me? It's probably. <laughs> probably me, man. I've been taking him outside for crazy. I've never used the meme, but I definitely might have sent it to him. You never no, used I've, it? I've used it oh, in text no, messages I often. <laughs> <laughs> you no. used it, Jay? I've used it in text, not on Twitter, but... Private <laughs> <laughs> family moments. Yeah. <laughs> Who have you texted it to? The family? I've sent it to my family. I've sent it to my fiancé probably 10 times. <laughs> to say the <laughs> 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 That's funny as hell. If I'm your fiancé and I disappoint you about something... Yeah. And you send it <laughs> Uh, you know what I just sent them though was uh, I don't know if you guys have seen like the voiceover doves of people like taking the last dance and saying yes. funny yeah 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 <laughs> I sent him that and I sent the director that and they both just was dying laughing they thought it was hilarious <laughs> now hold on Marcus you averaged uh, twelve point three points in college I think Jeffrey averaged one I don't know if that's accurate either I saw that yeah, those numbers aren't accurate but, number, you know, okay. I, I'll take that. <laughs> He said Jeffrey averaged one point. Go ahead, go ahead, so we go with this. Did your father ever get on y'all about that? No, you know, when we were hooping, it was really, you know, we kind of naturally gravitated towards it. It wasn't something he forced on us. And, you know, if we wanted to ever work out or, or get in the gym to work on our games, you know, he was always there for us. And so, you know, he would come to our games. He was super supportive. But it wasn't like y'all ain't scoring enough or you need to be killing and getting killed more, more often. Nah, it yeah. was uh, it was just more of a support thing. And so maybe you're not shooting the ball game. enough. Maybe yeah, you, he might you know, have I didn't have that problem. I was shooting the ball. He didn't have that problem. problem. Yeah, if, I, if it was a, he would say, you know, be more aggressive or, or, or shoot the ball. Yeah, exactly. So you shoot the ball every time you, every time you touch it. Uh, but other than that, it was all support. It was all love. So there was never a time where y'all felt like, okay, I got to be the next Michael Jordan, I got to follow him. And that's the thing. We was already kind of hard enough on ourselves. I think he knew that. Like, that's one of the traits we probably definitely got from him. Like, we perfectionists on our, in our own right. So, I think he well, saw that early on, and he was just kind of like, you know, hey, you know, they, they, they probably going to work work at this thing hard enough. I don't probably, you know, I probably don't need to be on their back as much. But he was never, you know, that was never even a, a question or a concern for us because I think we were, I know I was, I was definitely – already focused and, and, and pushed myself. As well, well, that was the thing. We were always going to get somebody's best game. And so whether it was trying to live up to my dad's legacy or whatever, we had to go out and hold our own. It wasn't like he could come on the court and take yeah. you know. And so, yeah. you know, we had huge crowds and, and everybody trying to cross over Michael Jordan's son, dunk on Michael Jordan's son, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, we, earned, we learned at an early age we had to hold our own. All right, we got more with the Jordan family. That's Michael Jordan's kids, Jasmine Jordan, Jeffrey Jordan, and Marcus. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Yeah. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Michael Jordan's kids, Jasmine, Marcus, and Jeffrey. Charlamagne? I want to ask all three of y'all, what are the downfalls of being the children of an icon? 
<laughs> yeah, I think Marcus just said one of them. That target, you know, that don't it doesn't stop on the court. It's definitely off the court too. That's going to be constant. Just wanting to, um, you know, people around you wanting to take that spot or take that that notoriety. So that's definitely one of the downfalls, and, and you know, makes it hard to know who to trust, who to mess with growing up. But luckily, I had these two to kind of bounce those bad negative experiences off of. So. For me, it was the fact that you can't control perception. Everyone's going to have something to say about anything. You damned if you do, you damned if you don't. So it's just understanding that it is what it is. You can't control it. And then making sure that it's clear that we work for everything we have. We don't have any handouts. Don't ever get it twisted. We may work for Nike and Jordan, but we had to earn our jobs and our positions. You know, Marcus has a trophy room, but he had to go through hell and back to get that store up and running. So, you know, while everybody thinks we're just riding the coattails of being, you know, our pop's kids, in actuality, we work our asses off to do what we're doing in our own right. Yeah, I think for me, just echoing what they said, you know, uh, you always got to deal with assumptions. People assuming, hey, I could get this pair of days or you could do this for me or that for me or whatever. And so that's something that, you know, over time you got to learn to deal with. And then Jeff, like Jeff said, you know, uh, that trust factor, you know, not knowing what people's intentions are when they come in around or as you kind of, you know, go, get older and start meeting new people, you always got to operate under the assumption that people are, you know, looking for something, even if they're, you know, hanging out with you. So, you know, that's just really the two main downfalls. And then, you know, everything else is on, is on the plus side. A lot of perks, that. right? Listen, yeah, and I, I try to make sure I don't even hit Marcus up to be like, yo, can I get like, <laughs> I don't like asking for favors. So it has to be like, and, and Blow be his like, phone up, man. Blow no. his phone up. Do it. <laughs> It's my job too, man. Y'all know it's fine. Yeah, it's his job. You know, he's the one to go to. I'll definitely hit you in a minute. I'm like, yeah. Can you ask Marcus? I'm like, man, I don't want to do it. I just have two more questions for y'all. Because you know, we're all watching the documentary. What's your opinion of Jerry Krause? From watching the documentary, I think I've definitely learned a little bit more about. Um, you know, what was going on behind closed doors. But I would say, you know, obviously somebody had to put that team together and, and he did an unbelievable job putting that mm-hmm. team together. Um, you know, it just sounds like, like you know, normal relationship where things start to fall apart. Agendas are, are a little bit different from, from everybody else. And if that cohesion is not there um, and you don't have people like Phil to kind of keep those things in, in, in check, um, you know, that's how it's going to spiral out, you know, and, and, and they probably did miss a couple more years and a couple more titles and opportunities. But, you know, you can't really say that that's on Jerry Krause's behalf because, you know, it's a team thing. It's a team game. Um, and everybody got to make their own decisions. So I would say great GM. But, you know, obviously there's some uh, there were some factors that couldn't couldn't keep the team together. He couldn't get out of his own way, man. You know, some people. uh want, you know, credit. I think there's a quote coming in the doc where, you know, Jerry says, you know, organizations win championships. And my dad's, you know, belief was, you know, players win championships. Obviously, the organization is a huge part of it. They got to put the team together. And he's not trying to diminish the role that the the organization plays. But, you know, the organization can't celebrate if the players don't win the game. And um, maybe y'all can give us a little insight into a relationship that I'm super intrigued by, uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Because, you know, we always saw Kobe and said Kobe mimicked Michael's game, but now to know that Michael was actually coaching him in a way, every mm. step of the way, it's like, wow. So, so, so yeah. did y'all know about that relationship? Yeah. There's time I would remember just being in his office and the phone rang and it's, and it's Kobe. Like, you know, more, more times than not, it was, it was Kobe calling. Um, and so I, you know, I think 
obviously the past year um, has given me even even me a little bit more insight as to how deep that relationship was. But um, but yeah, I mean they always had that friendship, and I guess once you get to a certain level, it's not that many other people you can connect to um, or, or or talk to about certain things in terms of being being great at, at what you do and, and right. being on a, on a you know being a master of your craft. So it makes a lot of sense and. Obviously, it's, it's, it's been a, a, a rough year, not only for, for us, for, for his family, but um, all around for, for, for the world. That's just a huge loss. And, uh, you know, I think, think my dad was feeling that for sure. Um, it has been feeling that for sure. You know, as I've gotten older and trying to deal with trophy room, you know, I would go to my dad's house a lot. He lives two hours from me. And so, you know, there would be times where I was down there working on a business plan and stuff. And, and you know, Kobe would text him and, and just ask him little things and, and just little stuff. And so you would get a glimpse into, you know, them actually being friends where, you know, early on it wasn't necessarily like that. And so uh, it's just, man, I, you know, that situation was super tough and it had me just, you know, questioning my own mortality and, like, if that happens to Kobe and Gigi and everybody yeah. else in that chopper, it's like, you know, it's just you can't take life for granted, man. It was so sad. It definitely took a lot on my dad when that happened. And I think as soon as, you know, the memorial took place, he texted me right after and was just like, I love you. Like, I'm proud to be a girl dad. You you make me, you know, happy to be your father every single day. And that came from Kobe. So while my father was giving him all, you know, the knowledge and the sense and everything he needed on the court, I think Kobe played a big role into who he is as a father as well and how he groomed his relationship with his daughters and how my father has groomed his relationship with me. So it's definitely been something I get to reap the benefit of. Um, and, you know, we're grateful for that because it's just, it's crazy to think of, like Marcus said, you can be here today, gone tomorrow, but he's left so many nuggets within my father. My father did a lot for him. So it's been a beautiful thing to see come full circle. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys. Oh, oh I got one, la one last question. When y'all are around the dinner table, eating as a family, does, does your father have any regrets? Does he say, man, I wish they had a couple more years, won a couple more rings? Like, is there any regrets you think your father has about basketball? Yeah, no, I think uh, there's, a, there's a moment in the doc where he's, you know, they're talking about, you know, did his competitiveness get in the way of the relationships with his teammates? And, uh, you know, I don't think that he regrets the way – I know he doesn't regret the way he handled uh, his teammates. It's just that, you know, there's a price to – to being great, you know, and I think that he, he acknowledges that and, you know, he strives for greatness. You know, I think we've had debates, Jeff and my dad, about like his Jordan deal and, you know, those debates get heated because we're coming from a different perspective, right? We're looking at it like as where it is now. And, you know, he's obviously got the insight of what the brand, where the brand has come from since 84. And so obviously us looking at it from, from, from our perspective, we're like, well, why don't you do this? Or you should sign this or yeah. take a bigger cut of Nike or this, that, and the third. But, you know, he obviously, he brings us back down to earth because he, he puts us through, he tells us the full story on how it's gotten to where, it's, where it is today. And, you know, that stuff kind of really, it, it helps us learn and, and educate us so that when we, you know, move up in the, in the ranks of business, you know, we kind of take those nuggets and, and learn from them. Mm -hmm. And round of applause to grandma, man. Y'all would not be yeah. wearing no Jordan <laughs> brand, nothing, no Nike, nothing if it wasn't for grandma. You gotta take those meetings, man. Gotta take those meetings. Thank you, you know so much for one checking more, in, too. One more question. At the, on the, around the holidays, right, you guys ever still, like, go outside and play basketball? Does your fiance <laughs> participate? Do y'all ever have these little pickup games that still get competitive? 
Maybe some categories. Right, we'll play some, some categories. Okay. Uno, you know, phase 10. I think that's where the Pop, competition lies. <laughs> Pop didn't even put a gym in the new house, a basketball no. house. There's <laughs> no court in his no house. Court in there. No. He's like, it's over, over. It's, it's done, a wrap. Done, it's done, a wrap. No, he just built a golf course. He's chilling. He's retiring. Well, thank you guys for checking in, Jazz and Jeff. Thank you so much. This is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. So Takashi went on Instagram to deliver some news to you. He is going to be on Instagram Live this Friday afternoon. He said, "Let's get this party started. Don't get scared now. Are y'all going to tune in?" Nope. Nah. I'm grown though. I mean, them kids. I'm sure will be all over it, but you know. I'm a 41-year-old grown-ass man. I won't be there for that party. What, what about you? You, you tuning in? Watching all kinds of things. You know what? If I'm on there, I might go see what he's talking about just to see. Why not? I hope he's chilling. I feel like I'm going to end up reporting on it on Monday anyway. I might as well watch it while it happens. That is true. Haven't, haven't we heard him talk enough? All that talking is what got a bunch of people locked up in jail right now. He might be, he might be changed. I change individual. It. I doubt it. I hope he is. All right, now a video of Mike Tyson training has gone viral. And, you know, he told T.I. that he's thinking about getting back in the ring. He wants to do it. Here's what he said just as a refresher on Expeditiously. My body's really jacked up. It's really sore from hitting the mitt. But um, I've, been, I've been working out. I've been trying to get in the ring. I think I'm a boxer from exhibitions to get in shape. I want to go to the gym and just get in shape to be able to box three or four ex round exhibitions for some right. charities and stuff. Take the money and help some homeless with some drug-affected motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. Like me. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Mike doing some exhibition uh, boxing matches, three, four rounds for charity, especially after that little video he put up on Instagram uh, Instagram the other day. Mike's still quick. Mike still got power. It'd be nice to see Mike in the ring at 53. I wouldn't mind that for nostalgia purposes. Yeah, I would, I would like to see that, too. And everybody kind of feels impressed now after watching his, uh, his little sparring session. So I think that could... Really be something great. And he said it would be for charity. All right, 50 Cent talks about how he was the first person to get an iPod placement in his video. Uh, he said he had a meeting with Steve Jobs and negotiated that deal himself. Listen to this. I met Steve Jobs in Jimmy Alvin's office. First time I sat there, I went in there 10 minutes before I told him, let me see that. They gave it to me. I said, what's it called? Is it called an iPod? Do you think you can sell an iPod? I can sell an iPod. In that 10 minutes that I sat there, I got him to give me $150,000. Right there, as soon as we sat in there, because the first time this Apple did product placement in anything, any music video, was PIMP, $150,000 a game. Yeah, say what you want about 50, but you got to say he's a smart individual, boy. He knows how to keep he that money coming in. Happen. That's right. Yes. <laughs> All right, and another thing that everybody's talking about when it comes to 50 Cent is he did an interview with Van Lathan, and Van Lathan asked about his relationship with his son, Marquise. Can that ever be mended? And here's how 50 Cent responded. It is sad. It's a sad situation, right? And when you pray for success, you don't necessarily pray for the things that come with it. And there's no such thing as success without jealousy, without envy. Or entitlement. And entitlement is growing in someone you love in the scariest part. His mom developed an entitlement that cannot be met. So while being a privileged child, he feels deprived. You see what I'm saying? And and I don't have an issue with paying the support. I noticed over the years, like it developed, because I blamed on his mom for a long time. But it's not his mother, it's him. Like I've gone places where he was at and he left. Fifth, you, you know love your son? I used to. 
you ask yourself how long a complicated question would say how long can you love something that don't love you back that's actually a, a great question how long do you love some something that doesn't love you back but i don't think that he the, the, the son doesn't love his father I think the son absolutely does love his father, and I think 50 loves his son. Because you can't, you can't, how can you look at a person and see yourself? Like, they literally look like each other. Right. How can you see yourself and not love that, not love that individual? They have to love each other. It's just complicated right yeah, now. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's years of them going back and forth, and years, I'm sorry, I'm sure, of not really having conversations and communicating. But, you know, that's, that's still his son. You know, that's still his dad. So, at one point, yeah. they're going to have to talk. They're going to have to speak. They're going to have to squash it out. It's just a matter of when. You know, it's interesting. I'm gonna tell you when it's gonna power, be. I feel like I feel like a lot of the dynamics in the relationship on power between um, between Ghost and his son. I feel like a lot of that. I don't know. I feel like Fifty somehow put that in the script because I know a lot of things that happened to him in real life. He has in that power script, and so I kind of feel like some of those dynamics were there. You know, when Fifty and um, his son are going to reconcile, when or if his son ever gets a baby mother. If his son ever gets a baby mother and his son goes through some of those same experiences and, you know, you have the mother of your child, you know, telling you things about your father that kind of discouraged the child to be around the father, that's when he's going to understand uh, what his father went through mm. a little bit better. And that's when they'll probably reconcile. Seen that I've seen that yeah. a million but times. But, you know, it, a lot of times it is hard. Like, you don't even know the effect of what you do as an adult has on a kid, on a child. And sometimes it's not just about financially providing, but it's other things that are important. And you don't even realize, and a child doesn't realize the effects, you know, even as they get older. And a, a parent might not even realize what their kid picks up on. So right. there's a lot of complicated things at play here. But I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right, thank you, Yee, for those rumors. Now, don't forget, next hour, ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, you should get on the lines right now. But next, donkey today, Charlamagne, who are you giving that donkey to? Uh, I need I need Trump in the White House to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a little word with them, please. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Hey, what up, y'all? It's DJ Envy for the General Insurance. The last thing you want to worry about in these trying times is car insurance. That's why the General has got your back. They'll make sure you're protected. Give them a call at 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! Trump, please step up to the congregation. Yes, you are when Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. He's a jackass. Donkey of the Day for Wednesday, May 6th, goes to the celebrity-in-chief, Mr. Dope 45, Donald J. Trump. Uh, I don't know what kind of student the 45th president of the United States of America was, but I guarantee in school, he hated science, okay? He didn't like physics, chemistry, biology, nothing, okay? Formal sciences, natural sciences, social sciences. He didn't like God bodies in New York asking, what's the science? Donald J. Trump hate science and his disdain for science is showing once again because yesterday the president announced that he will be winding down the white house coronavirus task force yep let's go to cnn for the report please 
The doctor is saying that there might be a recurrence of coronavirus in the fall. Can you just explain why is now the time to wind down that task force? Because we can't keep our country closed for the next five years. You know, you could say there might be a recurrence, and there, there might be. And, you know, most doctors or some doctors say that it, it will happen, and it'll be a flame, and we're going to put the flame out. We've learned a lot. You see what it does, especially for people over a certain age. And we're saying that people that are over 60, 65, but over 60, we're even saying, stay back for a while. Uh, at the same time, with young children and children, we'd like to see the schools open early next season and on time. But don't you want your advisors to keep looking at this closely the way well, you have? are looking at it very closely. I'm viewing our great citizens of this country as warriors. And yes, will some people be affected? Yes. Will some people be affected badly? Yes. But we have to get our country open. Now, this news is coming out as the rate of the country's daily new coronavirus cases and reported deaths are plateauing, uh, according to the John Hopkins University Coronavirus Research Center. And also, it's a model created by the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington that projects a doubling of U.S. deaths of U.S. deaths to 134,000 by August 4th. Okay, that's an increased daily death toll. All while governors urged on by Trump relax social distancing measures. Now, who out there has ever had chlamydia? Raise your hands. No volunteers. Okay, never mind chlamydia. Who out there has ever had some type of bacterial infection? And you had jockage once. Pink eye, I think pink eye does count. Why are you talking I about do. my jock itch, boo? Yes, I did have jock itch when I used to ride my motorcycle. I, I don't know if jock itch is a bacterial infection. I think pink eye is, okay? But the moral of the story is whether it's pink eye, syphilis, meningitis, okay, you don't have to tell us what it was, uh, but you have. But if, if you've ever had a bacterial infection, then you know when you have a bacterial infection. The doctor always says if you're taking antibiotics, don't stop taking them until the pill vial is empty, even if you feel better. Now, some doctors have pushed back on that and said uh, taking drugs when you aren't sick anymore simply gives the hordes of bacteria in and on your body more incentive to evolve to evade the drugs. So the next time you have an infection, they may not work. Guess what? My whole life, if I have a problem and there's a solution to that problem, if I'm using said solution and it makes the problem go away, but I still have more of the solution, I'm going to keep that solution around until I know without a shadow of a doubt that the problem is in my rear view, period. As far as I'm concerned, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic, a pandemic that was fueled by the arrogance and ego of Donald J. Trump, the same person who eliminated the job of coordinating a national pandemic response. That job is now being done by Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, the same president who told us back in February that Democrats were politicizing the deadly coronavirus and claimed that the outbreak is their new hoax. This is the same person who is now winding down the coronavirus task force, and I have to ask one simple question. Why? At a time like this, when Trump is anxious to reopen the country and pressure is causing governors to reopen, you know, reopen the country, when his administration's internal model has projected to rise up to 3,000 daily deaths, isn't this the time to keep the coronavirus task force together simply because you don't know what's going to happen? Right? Shouldn't you have the experts on your side? The problem with Trump isn't just what he doesn't know. It's what he isn't willing to learn, okay? He should have learned from his past mistakes on how he handled this situation. Every poor decision he made has led us to this point. And now he's about to send the country on another dummy mission. Okay, listen, America, your government doesn't care about you. 
Well, not all of you. Okay, let's go back to what he said. Let's, let's play that little part of the clip, please. You see what it does, especially for people over a certain age. And we're saying that people that are over 60, 65, but over 60, we're even saying stay back for a while. Uh, at the same time with young children and children, we'd like to see the schools open early next season. Uh, Mr. President, how can you say that you see what it does to people over a certain age, right? People 60 and up, but then say you want to see the schools open early next season. You do realize kids can be asymptomatic and bring the disease home to their parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, all over the age of 60. I mean, it's just some common sense, okay? But once again, America, your president and this administration doesn't give a damn about you. We the people are eggs, and the economy is an omelet. And if a few eggs get broken to make the omelet, fine, okay? It's majority of the darker color eggs anyway. The white eggs are cool, right? Okay, good. What are you talking about, Charlemagne? Oh, Uncle Charla is rambling again. Dark eggs, brown eggs, white eggs. I'm talking about the fact that the CDC released data showing coronavirus is impacting black people the worst. Oh, yes, 52% of diagnoses and 58% of coronavirus deaths nationally are black. You have to know they really don't give a damn. Okay, <laughs> not at all. Those numbers excite them. All right, so my people, my people, please don't be reckless. Don't be careless. Don't be careless, okay? Just because Donald Trump and the White House are winding down the coronavirus task force, don't you wind down on protecting yourself, okay? Make sure you got your mask, your hand sanitizer. Make sure you're washing your hands. Make sure you're washing your ass, social distancing, just doing what you have to do to protect yourself because if you haven't learned yet, this country will never protect you. And by you, I mean your black ass. Please give Donald J. Trump the biggest hee-haw. Matter of fact, let uh, Kathy Griffin give Donald Trump the biggest hee-haw. Please give this giant jar of mail the biggest hee-haw. Well, thank you for that donkey today. Yes, indeed. Up next, Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, hit Yee right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice. Call up now for Ask Yee. Keep it real. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Yeah, this is uh, Julio from Tampa, Florida. Julio, what's up, man? What's your question for Yee? All right. Uh, it's a very, very big deal. Um, recently, my girlfriend and I moved back in with my mom. She was having some health issues. So mm -hmm. we decided to go back and help her out for a while. But now... My girlfriend says she doesn't want to have sex because it's disrespectful. And like, you know, we're grown, my mom knows. She doesn't mind. She doesn't care, really. But she doesn't want to do it in the house. All right, so first of all, that's very honorable of your girlfriend. She doesn't want to have sex in your mother's, in the house with your mom there, right? Right. And so that is very respectful of her. I just want to say that. And I can understand because you're nervous. You don't want your mom to walk. She doesn't want your mom to walk in or hear anything. And so that to her is just making her feel, feel a little tense, correct? Correct. But we're in different parts of the house. My mom's usually up front. We're in the back. She doesn't need to come back there. She has a hard time Are you guys, getting around walking. Are you guys at least making out and stuff? No, nothing. It's been about two and a half, three months. 
Okay. Well, I would start with that. I would start with being like, okay, we don't have to have sex, but can we at least be affectionate and physical with each other so that she can get more comfortable with that and kind of more ease into it? Can you start with just doing those things? It doesn't have to jump right into sex. No, we can start, but she, she doesn't want to even get into that because she thinks it's going to lead into it, so she just cuts everything off. Does your mom ever leave and go anywhere, like, you know, to another relative's house? No, she doesn't really get around too much. She has really bad knees. But, uh, you know, she just kind of, you know, sits at the house. So, you right. Know, what to do at this point is starting to get rough. It's been like two and a half, three months. What, so you live in the house. You don't have another place you can go. You you moved in to help your mom out, but do you have your own place? No, we gave up our apartment to uh, okay. move in, just move back in out for out. So Is this a temporary move? Yeah, yeah. Just get her through. She got some surgeries coming up. She just she, we didn't want her to be alone. Okay, no, and that's commendable of you guys. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to family, you do have to make sacrifices. At the end of the day, if somebody's not comfortable having sex in a certain situation, you cannot pressure them or force them into doing it. All you can do is respect that. And until you guys have your own space or maybe when your mom is having her surgery and she's not in the house, maybe things will change at that time. But I do think, you know, it makes it worse when you're kind of hounding somebody about not having sex. So all you can do is try to show your affection in other ways right now, and then perhaps she'll be more comfortable at some point. Or maybe if your mom is, like you said, she goes outside sometimes, or maybe at night when she's asleep, she'll change her mind. But I do feel like when somebody kind of bothers you about it, it becomes a topic of dissension, and it can cause more stress. That's one thing I try not to do is, is bug her about it. I brought it up probably once since it's been going on. And uh, Are you guys at least cuddling at night? Yeah, we cuddle, we hug, we do things like that, but... Pretty much where it ends. All right. I just want to say this is going to be amazing when you finally do do it. I can guarantee you, you won't last long. But you can just have that to look forward to now. And you guys can just still have a good time together. And, you know, like I said, you can't really pressure to do something if she's not into it. But just know that at least y'all are together during this time. And at least you guys are affectionate with each other. And you can have that right now. A lot of people don't even have that much. Very true. Very true. All right. All right. Okay, All right, good no luck, problem. brother. Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need some relationship advice, call her now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Yee. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Hi, it's Jackie. What's your question for Yee? Well, um, my question is, my boyfriend popped the question to me. We have been together for three years, and he finally popped the question to me to marry him. However, prior to that, we did go through a breakup for a couple of months. But moving forward, in the past couple of months, I've confronted him about girls he's inboxed, and, you know, the proof is right in front of me. So I did confront him about it, and instead of him admitting, he continues to lie. I have to literally pull the truth out of him even when I have all of the facts in front of me, he still doesn't admit to anything. Um, this has happened a few times, and I'm just worried about moving forward in our relationship. Should this be something I'm worried about? I just don't want the lies to get bigger and bigger. I would just prefer him just to be honest with me, you know, no matter if it's going to hurt me or not. I just, you know, I give him opportunities to be honest. He, he just doesn't want to so i don't really know what to do if i should move forward in our relationship or not is this something i should be oh, worried about 
Well, Jackie, first of all, it's never fun being an attorney in your own relationship and having to question somebody and cross-examine them and catch them out there because now you're always going to be looking for evidence to catch him in because you know he's not a truthful person, right? And the question isn't just tell me the truth. The question is why are you still continuing to uh, do things that you know are jeopardizing our relationship? It's both of those things. You're doing these things and then you're getting caught and lying about them, right? Yeah, yeah. and when you say you finally, he finally proposed, was this something that you had been pressuring him to do? No, it's just something, you know, we did talk about in the past and we strayed away from it. And then he finally decided, you know, he asked me, you know, I didn't pressure him about it. it we did have conversations about it, but, you know, he did pop the question to me. So I was shocked when he did ask me to marry him, but, you know, I, it, it was a mutual de- decision. Jackie, do you want to be married to somebody who is lying and inboxing other women who you have to check up on, who you have to cross-examine? I don't. It doesn't make me feel secure. You know, um, it hurts when I have all of the facts and he just lies. I mean, even when the truth is in front of him, he'll just say, well, you already seen it, so what do I have to say anything for? And it hurts. So I don't really know you know, what to do. And even, you know, after the blow up and everything, he still finds a way to turn it around on me. And I don't know. Jackie, you do, Jackie, you do know what to do. Okay. Right. You do know, because I know you didn't think you would call and I was going to say, well, you should give him another chance. <laughs> well, I didn't want, I, I, well, I didn't want to seem like I'm being petty. Because you think it's petty? You think it's petty that he's deceiving you and that he's lying to you and that he's trying to reach out to other women and probably cheating? That is cheating. Well, I guess because we did go through a breakup when he was doing it, I didn't want to hold it against him. I just wanted him to say, well, it is something that I did when we weren't talking versus. Okay, so he's not doing this now. This is all from the past. Yes. But okay, I th- I'm thinking that he's doing this now. No, he's done it in the past, but it's something that I've found and discovered. And then when I bring it up to him, even with the facts, he just lies about it versus just saying it was something that he did while we were, you know, weren't talking or whatever. Well, Jackie, take your time. You don't have to get married anytime soon. And until he can prove to you that he is an adult and that he can be honest with you until you feel comfortable knowing that you can trust the person who's supposed to be your best friend, your soulmate, until you feel like you can trust him, then there's no reason for you to get married. Now, that's not to say that he can't earn that trust, but it is something that he does have to earn from you, and he does have to understand that he has to be able to communicate with you and tell you the truth so that you're secure and comfortable. Right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. All right. Take your time, Jackie. Do what's best for you. Thank you so much, Yee. No problem. All right. Thank you. Good luck, Mama. Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, you could hit Yee. Now, Yee, we got rumors on the way? Well, since we're talking relationships, let's talk about something that Vanessa Bryant discovered and opened on her birthday. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Report. God, God. With Angela, Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. 
So Carmelo Anthony was on the Uninterrupted podcast, and one of the things that he discussed was hitting rock bottom. Now here's what he had to say. I go from New York, making an all-star game, averaging 23, dealing with everything that I was dealing with, getting traded, going to OKC, actually really liking it, didn't work out for whatever reason, to going to Houston the following year, to playing nine games, the first time I've ever come off the bench, leading to having a year off. I don't think nobody will understand what I went through. I, 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 hit, I hit rock bottom emotionally, and I had to build myself back up. This season will always be the highlight, one of the highlight chapters of any story that I have. That, that is a big change in his career. It is. I still want to see. I want. I mean, Portland is a good team, but you know they they weren't playing well before the coronavirus hit. But I would love to see you know Melo end his career with a contender because Melo clearly got another two years left in him, right? Two Absolutely. three years, easy, right? And you know Melo's one of my favorite players. I just love what he tried to do for New York. I just love him as a player and as a person. So I want to see him get a chance to get a ring. You know, I, I want to see him, like you said, playing with a with a team that's at least in the playoffs and, and can take it a little bit in the playoffs. Yeah, and Portland is good. I just don't know why they haven't been able to get it together this year. But, you know, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, like, them, them brothers ball. So hopefully they get it together. All right, now let's talk about the baby. There are some new allegations against him. According to law enforcement sources, a driver in Vegas is saying he got a call to pick up the baby back in November. They got into the back of the Mercedes Sprinter van, and then after a few stops, the baby and his friends started smoking. The driver told them no, and that's when, according to the driver, he says that the uh, that the baby and his friends started cursing him out, threatened him. When they got to the Hard Rock, the driver told his passengers it was time to pay. That's when, according to the driver, he says the baby punched him in the back of the head and said, you ain't the boss. Now, according to the baby, he says, this is 100% false. Y'all stay positive. The devil gonna always try you when you're doing good. The baby's attorney says it's a 100% false accusation, which suspiciously pops up in February regarding an alleged incident in November. We can smell another attempted money grab. Yeah, I mean, listen, you don't know if it's true or not, but you know, the baby has kind of put himself in a position where people... People look at him as a hothead and they know that he puts hands on people. So we've heard these stories before. Remember how Fat Joe said people would just jump out at him and try him? Or people would mm -hmm. say that Fat Joe hit him when he didn't even touch them just because they know that they could get a payday. It could be kind of the same situation now with the baby. All right, Vanessa Bryant, she was able to open this one last letter from Kobe. It was on her birthday. She waited until her birthday to actually open this envelope. She said, yesterday I found an envelope labeled to the love of my life from to Poppy. I waited to open one more letter on my birthday. It gave me something to look forward to today. Mm. And she also, of course, in her IG caption said, missing the love of my life and my sweet little mamacita, my fellow Taurus, grateful to wake up to my three sweet girls today. Wish we were all together. Amen. Amen, that's sad. Praise up for the Bryant family always. Lord have mercy. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, bro. My Word. God, man. Jeez. Yeah, all right. And um, Kaya is challenging Trina to an Instagram battle. <laughs> and what do you mean Instagram like battle? What kind of Instagram battle? You no, know, like, I guess one of these verses, uh, here's what Kaya said. Who want to try me like that? Who? You want to have a hit battle? Oh, look, I got 285 hits to put on your ass. Kaya got that many joints? Not that I know of. Not no 285. Now, I will say Kaya has 
She has two in a pot. If this was a spade hand, she got two in a possible that I know about. She got my so neck, my back, which we all know. Right. <laughs> she can't go board. Now, if I, now listen, she says she got 285. I may not be familiar with Kaya's music, even though I am a, a, a born and raised down south. But Kaya got my neck, my back. She got K-Wing with it. And the possible is don't trust no niggas. But the only reason I count that as a possible is because that's over. I think that's over an old Lil John song. You never heard that? Don't trust no no. That, that red, women do love that record, but that I don't know. If, I don't know if that counts. I guess she could I mean, play it. Yeah, yeah, she could definitely play that. But so okay, all that with all that said and done against Trina. Nah, Come she on, don't got Trina? nothing on Trina. No, 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 she don't got nothing. She don't got. She don't got nothing on Trina. No, no, she don't got nothing on Trina. Courtney Kardashian, the reason why Scott Disick went to rehab is because she gave him an ultimatum after she spoke with Sophia Richie, who is Scott Disick's girlfriend. So I guess, you know, there's some things that he's been dealing with and suffering from for many years because of his mother passing and then the death of his, of his father three months later. So that's what actually went on behind the scenes. You know, I guess he was having some issues and... Uh, Nicole Richie became extremely concerned with the choices he was making and how out of control he became very quickly. She then tipped off Kourtney Kardashian about his condition because she didn't know what else to do. And that's when he was issued that ultimatum. Why y'all got me Googling Kaya songs at, on a beautiful Wednesday morning? <laughs> come on now. Come trying on. to see if Kaya got 285. You know a lot of records up here. I know 285. Stop it. I thought it was that's the name of says. a song. She yeah, she did say 285. I know, but I'm just saying. I thought... She got a lot of records up here, though. My neck, my yeah. back, K-Wang with it. Snatch the cat back. I remember Snatch the cat back. Next caller, I never heard that. Don't trust no niggas, yeah. Um, be your lady. Respect me. What they do. You my girl. Yum, yum, salt. I don't know none of these records. Me neither. Jealous girls. Been a bad girl. Don't Yo, trust me. Remember me. Hater. Lick me dry. When I met my king. <laughs> Yo, that sounds Yo, Keep saying that. Keep saying it. Go hater. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I love you in these titles. Be. Get it and go. I've been high. I don't know these records. I'm even looking at her. Kaya says, KayaBillboard.com. It says zero number one hits, zero top ten hits, two songs. That's what it says. I don't know. I just know them three. I just know them three from the clubs back in the day. Um, what three? My what neck, three? my back. Mm -hmm. my, two in a, my neck, my back, K-Wing mm -hmm. with it, and don't trust no. Them three go hard. <laughs> but I don't know if that's right, enough well, for a I'm versus Angela battle. And that is your rumor report. Listen, right. here's the thing. Everybody can't do a versus battle. Some of y'all got to do what Mike Tyson was talking about. Remember when Mike Tyson said he just want to do some exhibition matches and do two, three rounds? Yes. Some of y'all got to do two, three rounds, man. Yeah, whatever I happened with the, the, with the Bone two, Thugs uh, battle? Bone Thugs and 3-6 Mafia. I have no idea. Yeah? I didn't hear about it. <laughs> I didn't hear anything about it either. Let me see. Let me look Damn it, it man. All right. It was, oh, it was postponed, guys. Oh, it was postponed. Oh, okay. All right, cool. It was All right, well, she... scheduled for last week, Thursday, and it has been postponed. All right, well, shout out to Revolt. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. It's Meek Mill's birthday, so let's get some Meek Mill up on the mix. In the mix. Happy oh, birthday, Meek. It's going to be rebranded as a versus battle. Oh, it is? Oh, okay. All right. Well, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, on the line right now, we have uh, attorney Lee Merritt. Now, he is the attorney for Ahmad Arby. That's the gentleman that was killed as he was taking a jog uh, by his neighbors. Good morning. Hello. Lee, what's up, brother? Hey, what's up, G? Man, I'm blessed, black, and highly favored, man. Um, I want you to tell us what's happening with this. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm mispronouncing the brother's name. Ahmad Arbery? That's it, Ahmad Arbery. 
And, and to be clear, I'm a civil rights attorney. I represent the family of Ahmad Arbery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're and we're trying to get the legal apparatus of South Georgia to arrest the men responsible for his murder uh, and to bring their appropriate hate crime charges. Uh, we, we just got involved with this family maybe a week ago. And what we learned, what the family was initially told by law enforcement was that Ahmaud Arbery was in the midst of a burglary, was bur- actually mm-hmm. burglarizing the home when uh, the homeowner caught him and used deadly force, which would have been completely justifiable under the law. That was the story the family was told. Obviously, the video came out yesterday. He was nowhere near anyone's habitat. He was jogging down the street. Um, And they they already created an alternative narrative where these were people who they suspected him of burglarizing homes sometime in the past. And as a result, uh, they were trying to perform a citizen's arrest. What you really had was a, a lynch mob who were going after the young man because they imputed criminality on him. And uh, they are still free today. So there's a number of things that we're asking people to do, but that's that's where we are with the story right now. Well, let's, let's say those guys' names, the McMichaels. What was what's the two? Yeah. What's their name? And I want to say, and I want to say three names because people have been focusing on two people's. But you have a son mm-hmm. and a father, Gregory McMichael, who's a former district attorney investigator, uh, 30-year lawman in South Georgia. His son, Travis McMichael, uh, who's not known for doing anything of significance. And then there's Brian Williams. Uh, Brian Williams. The person, uh, I believe is the person who captured the video. Um, uh, he was part- he was actively participating in hunting down Ahmaud Arbery. Really? I don't know. This is uh, okay, video I didn't realize that-, that the video that he took, I thought it was just a, a bystander who happened to be filming everything that was going down. I didn't know that he was with them. Right. For, well, so break down what we see in that video. We see Ahmad running, and we see him him jogging. We see the truck stop, like, to, to, to block him off, and he's running around the truck, it looks like. And then him and that man get an altercation with the man with the pistol, and then we hear a couple of gunshots, and then we see Ahmad laying on the floor. We see two individuals. One guy, a shotgun. A shotgun. One guy outside the truck, one guy in the truck, and then we see the gentleman following. For people who don't know what video we're talking about. And... and and that's what we're trying to figure. Now, Ahmad, he was just doing his, his daily run. Is that correct? That's right. So Ahmad Arbery is an elite uh, All-American high school athlete from South Georgia. So, you know, football is king there. And he's very mm-hmm. big in the football community. In fact, we first learned about it by NFL athletes who knew Ahmad and who had a relationship with him from his high school football days. Uh, and, and to break that video down a little further, the man that you see standing outside of the truck as Ahmad is jogging down the street is Travis McMichael, and he is standing there with a shotgun. It appears that Ahmad was surprised by his presence because if you if you slow that video down frame by frame, you can see mm-hmm. him jogging at a steady pace. And as he approaches the truck, he sees a man standing there with a long gun, and so he darts to the right, and the man lifts the long gun and goes after him. At this point, the two are off screen. That's when you hear the first shot. And after that, you see Ahmad fighting for his life. And I'm, I'm going to say I'm so proud of Ahmad. And his mom hasn't been able to watch this video, but Ahmad gave these men the fight for their lives. And if nothing else, I can appreciate, and I've been reflecting on Claude McKay, I can appreciate him saying, look, I'm, I'm going down fighting. I wish Ahmad had a gun. I, I wish Ahmad had a gun to shoot back. So when people say, right, that they're doing a citizen's arrest, Okay, because that's the story. Now the story has changed into, oh, from going from seeing someone breaking into a house to then doing a citizen's arrest. What are the rules for a citizen's arrest? I want to emphasize that this was not a citizen's arrest. That's a story mm-hmm. that they later came up with. However, if, they, if you are a Georgia citizen 
and attempting to perform a citizen's arrest. You must personally observe a crime. It must be actively ongoing, or uh, that crime that just happened must be within your direct knowledge. The only thing that these men ever told law enforcement they saw was Ahmad Arbery running down the road, and at some point he stopped by a property that was under construction, and he looked through the window. And they used that to say, well, that was enough to perform a citizen's arrest, and it's just not. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, Ahmad, you, you said that uh, they thought that Ahmad was suspected of robbing houses before. So Ahmad lives in the area, and he, and he runs. Has he had run-ins with these people before? He has never been accused, suspected, arrested for breaking into homes before. He is a known runner. The only crime that they have ever even brought up with him was something from high school uh, in a shoplifting incident. So, no. Which has he nothing to do with this, by the way, at all. I don't even know why did, they're bringing that up. Did he live in this neighborhood? He lived, he lived a few blocks away, according to his dad. So did they know yeah. each other? Did the McMichaels and the um, uh, Aubrey's know each other? Yeah, have they seen him before? No, so, no, so this is a very segregated community. So unless, mm -hmm. you know, he's going by for his run, black folks aren't going to be hanging out on this, in this part of, part of town. Yikes. Now, Lee, can I ask you another question about Gregory McMichael, being that he was in law enforcement previously? What's the rules when it comes to that? Because it feels like he's getting some type of preferential treatment. So he should be treated as any other criminal suspect. But the person responsible for arresting him, the department, Glen County Police Department, he used to work for. And the district attorney responsible for charging him passed on the case because of her conflict. It got moved over to the next district attorney over, Barnhill. And Barnhill hid the fact that he knew the shooter personally, that his son grew up with the shooter. And he, he gave the opinion that these guys did nothing wrong before it was discovered that he had these direct ties to him, and so he had to transfer the case as well. It's now on his third district attorney who is refusing to go arrest these men, which he it, it is in his power to do, but he's claiming because of corona and the quarantine that he can't do it until after the grand jury convenes sometime after, uh, in mid-June. Nope, if Georgia can open up everything else, they can op open up them damn courts now. That's right. Question, Lee, if this guy pulled a gun on Ahmad and then Ahmad defended himself, how can it then go back to this white man saying he was defending himself? They will not be able to successfully avail themselves of the self-defense statute because you cannot agitate. I'm sorry, legally they should not be able to. I shouldn't say will not be able to because for the same reason that George Zimmerman should not have been able to claim self-defense against Trayvon Martin, for instance, that he instigated, mm -hmm. uh, these men can't. You can't chase a man down with guns, cut off all of his exits because the man behind that was recording is with the posse. So you have a man with a gun in a truck behind him, men with guns in the truck in front of him. He had no other option. And so you can't claim self-defense when you corner uh, a, a citizen. Now, let I me ask you a question. I saw, I saw today that Joe Biden is coming forward and now demanding justice also for uh, Ahmaud Arbery's family. I hadn't seen that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, Biden is speaking up. We need him to be uh, vocal on all of these incidences, but not just give mm -hmm. lip service to it. He can speak to his context uh, from mm -hmm. his long and illustrious career at the U.S. Department of Justice, who will be able to handle this case, who will go out and make the arrest, and who will successfully prosecute these men for hate crime charges. So not just words from uh, Mr. Biden. We need action. Yeah. Now, when they shot and killed this, this, this young man, uh, I'm sure they called the police. They called 911. And when they called 911, what was the reason for shooting? Because, I, I mean, all that's taped. Right. So they called 911 prior to shooting. Um, mm -hmm. And, and they, said, they said, we see a man, uh, it, excuse my language, he said there, he's hauling ass down the road. Um, and so 
that was their justification for stopping him. And when law enforcement finally responded to the scene after Ahmaud Arbery was already dead, the excuse they used was, well, we were trying to perform a citizen's arrest. And he, well, they didn't say that at the time. They said mm-hmm. this man came after us and he started violently attacking us, and so we had to defend ourselves. So the video clearly shows that, that that wasn't the case. So it clearly shows that they're lying, correct? Yeah. How, 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 directly refutes all of their previous claims. How did they get the video from Brian Williams? If he was down with them, how did they get that video? So the, the video was anonymously uh, shared online. We assumed that they shared it around their circles for a while, and as the story began to get publicity over since the New York Times wrote it about it about two weeks ago, uh, someone leaked it and, and uploaded it online. So them goddamn devils was bragging about it, basically. The day that they murdered Ahmad, his father went on on Facebook and bragged, my son was the shooter, as if he was proud of it. Wow. No. Damn. I saw a group of kids, uh, they were protesting, and they, well, I don't know if it was just kids, but just a, a group of black people, and they were walking to the McMichael's house. What, what, did they actually do that? I heard that they were out there walking to um, the McMichael's house. I'm curious, honestly whether other Georgia citizens can avail themselves of the citizen arrest statute and go in and arrest these men because there's clear evidence that they committed a murder and the, uh, Very true. the authorities have not made the arrest. And so, and the authorities have even offered the opinion that these men could in fact perform a citizen's arrest of a mod. So what is stopping the citizens of Georgia from arresting this man? Now I'm, I'm not advising anyone put themselves in harm's way, but I'm wondering what, whether we enjoy the same protections under the law as these men do. Well, you know, you know, we don't cause we black a uh, question though. If, if I'm driving, right. Say I was driving down the road and I saw a mod fighting for his life against these these three devils, and I have my pistol on me. If I jumped out and shot one of them, what would happen to me? Now, I imagine you will be arrested and charged with murder or uh, aggravated assault. Uh, now, under the law, you are allowed to protect a third person. You can see someone under attack like Brother Ahmad and say, I'm going to use my right to intervene for the safety of this person. It's completely uh, legal under the, under the uh, statute. Hey, man, um, what do we got to do, Lee? What do we got to do? Gregory McMichaels, Travis McMichaels, Brian Williams. Like, what kind of noise do we got to make around this situation to make sure that these guys get arrested? Because I don't even I don't even understand how they can even say this brother was a burglar. Because burglars don't wear white T-shirts and shorts and sneakers to go break in nobody's house in broad daylight. In the middle, in the middle of the day. Uh, <laughs> the person responsible right now for holding this, these men accountable is Tom Durden, a local Southern prosecutor. I don't trust Tom Durden to get the job done. I believe that the the Georgia Bureau of Investigations should step in, uh, that a U.S. attorney should take on the case, that we should be looking at federal hate crime charges because the local uh, law enforcement community over the past two and a half months has shown us what they plan to do to these men, which is absolutely nothing. We would be fools to sit back and wait for the legal process, for the, the grand jury to open up, uh, and for these men to be charged by local prosecutors. That is asking for our community to be disappointed. So if you go to runwithmod.com, that's runwithmaud.com, we will give mm-hmm. you specific action steps to take to ensure that that the right prosecutors get involved in the case, that there is a complete and thorough investigation. And again, we are pushing for local officials to go out and arrest these men today. They are a danger to the community. Uh, they are a danger to the peace, and there's no reason that they should be free pending uh, indictment. Is there a number we can call just to harass that guy you just mentioned? Tom, what did you say? Thomas what? Durden. Uh, Tom Durden. Tom Durden. Is there, is there, a, number is there a number? You can find the number on runwithmod, M-A-U-D.com. 
We will take you through an entire prompt. We provide scripts for you to go through. Uh, we have all the numbers that you can reach for the decision makers in this case. Got you. I want. Right. I'm going to put a petty party on uh, all the decision makers, man. Oh, yeah, 770-800-0689 to demand justice for Ahmad right away. I'm on the website right now. I want all of our Breakfast Club listeners to go call that number, 770-800-0689. Let's have a petty party on that phone line today and demand justice for Ahmad, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right, Thank brother. Thank you, Lee. Appreciate you, King. No, no problem, family. I appreciate you guys. All righty, bro. Thank you. All right, well, keep it locked. We got more. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. With my queen, like London and Nip. But I got rich on all these, I didn't forget back. I had to go through the struggle, I didn't forget that. I hopped inside of the Maybach and now I can sit back. Deep, know me now, cause I got them big racks. Cause I'm getting money now, I know you heard that. Young, on the corner, I had to serve crack. Uncle fronted me some peas, had they getting birds back. We came up on dirty money, I gave it a bird back. Cut off the brain and I get my the new goose. Either you run a y'all gang or your suit woo. Got a new all in Tim and that The new 4G's on the G I drop into the bloody bottoms is underneath Cause I'm a got it out the streets I keep a hundred racks inside my G I remember hitting them all with the whole team Not can't ask a cause cause I'm all in I was waking up getting racks in the morning I was broke, now I'm rich, deep, salty I've been waking up to- Morning everybody, it's DJ NV Angela Yee Charlamagne the guy. we are The Breakfast Club now, um, shout out to Michael Jordan's kids for joining us this morning, Jasmine, Jeffrey, and Marcus. Thank you for checking in this morning. Give us some, giving us some insight on your dad. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, when you're when you're an iconic figure like Michael Jordan, a living legend, right? Like Michael Jordan is the type of person that you can't even believe you lived in the same era that he lived in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we read about a lot of great historical figures, great historical athletes, and you're like, wow, can't believe that. But we lived through Michael Jordan, so it's good to get insight from, you know, I would say some of the people who know him best, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, when we come back, we got the positive note and more, so don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, um, hopefully you had a great Taco Tuesday yesterday. I hope you Did you have your tacos, everybody? I, I had didn't a taco have tacos, salad. but I did have tequila, and I actually was online with Seven. My girl Seven, she was at home making shrimp tacos while we were uh, chatting it up. Okay, yeah, we yeah, had, had shrimp a, tacos and chicken tacos yesterday. No, nah, my family had tacos, but I had a taco salad because uh, I'm still on my diet, baby. You know, because okay. because summer's right around the corner, and I, okay. when when you stay ready, you don't gotta get ready. I cut go. 20 pounds, too, because I, I got up to 200 at the beginning of this quarantine, man. Because the beginning of this quarantine, I was treating it like vacation. So eating what I want, drinking what I want, and I ballooned fast. 
So I got on my uh, Dr. Sandy. Dr. Sandy has this great diet that I like to do. And so I've been doing it for the past 30 days. And I was 199. Now I'm 176. Okay. Yes. I can All see right. my abs again. I feel good about that. All right. Well, Charlemagne, uh, you got a positive note for the people? Yes, man. Uh, I just want to talk about emotional poison real quick, right? Emotional poison is created by our reaction to what we consider injustice, okay? Usually, we release the poison with the person we think is responsible for the injustice, but if that person is so powerful that we cannot send it to them, we don't care who we send it to. We send it to the little ones who have no defense against us, and that is how abusive relationships are formed. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? 